0: what's up everyone and welcome to the mint city soccer show i am one of your hosts david Gussler and i'm here without matt swift again so Corey, we have secretly kicked matt off the show <laughs> and our ratings have plummeted already so um, no i'm just kidding matt is uh he's still with us he is just out doing some family things and I believe he's going to charleston this weekend to look for treasure so we called him back up <laughs> and we brought Corey Ensco here with us so cory welcome back to the show in the co-hosting seat here so how's it feel to be I back knew. uh back doing this
1: this is like a mint city coup. Like I'm taking, <laughs> taking my spot back. No,
0: <laughs> that's, that's what it is. We, no. that's Swift, Swift carried the show for us for about a year and a half, two years. And now Johnny's going to come in here in the background and replace
1: me <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's next. we're not telling you that part, David, but Johnny's going to come back in next week and take your spot and just, we're going to take this thing back over. Great. No, no, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing well. And, and I'm a little jealous of the Charleston trip. I'll be honest with you. That sounds like a nice, a uh, nice Memorial day weekend trip. So I hope you enjoy that Matt, but I'm happy to fill in and, and talk a little uh, sad soccer with you this week, David.
0: <laughs> I know it's it's like he does this on purpose. He he avoids yeah. doing the hard shows. <laughs> so, um, but it's okay. We'll we'll get through this therapy session together here, Corey. So um let's dive into it, man. So it's uh it's been a little bit since we did the last show. We had Jeff Eklund join us and we did a pregame show against the Chicago Fire. Um, and lo and behold, Charlotte FC beats the Chicago Fire since we've done our last show. So jeff you are welcome back yep. anytime again to talk Chicago. <laughs> um but since then we have played two games first one was um that same weekend against Na- uh, nashville and unfortunately charlotte fc's win streak at home um, an undefeated streak has come to an end with that game losing two to one um, and most recently the U.S. Open Cup last night, Corey, where Charlotte FC was defeated by a Birmingham Legion one to nothing in the U.S. Open Cup. So- um, A cup set. We had a cup set. We, we did have a cup set. We weren't the only one, luckily,
1: that had the cup yeah, thank set. Thank goodness. Thanks, um, Columbus. Yeah,
0: yeah. Thanks, Columbus. It's great. Pitt, Pittsburgh and, uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Birmingham are now, you know, Trumpeting the pro re- re- relegation conversation now because of this. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been sad soccer for Charlotte lately. So let's uh, let's rewind back and reflect on the Nashville game most recently, Corey. So um, I know you weren't there at the game. We were talking a little bit off the off the air, a little bit about this game. So um, I did not think Charlotte really looked that bad in that game. No. I know. I know they lost two to one. And we were just talking a little bit about, you know, the the way that Nashville score, the results, you know, at, for me, the lineup for that game wasn't too surprising. Uh, you know, you had a few players come back for for Charlotte. You know, you, you had, um, you know, Swiderski, Kopetti, Merrim still starting on the top. One thing that was interesting with some players returning that we did was that you saw the defensive line once again have a different lineup. And I know we've talked a lot about Christian Latanzio's mm-hmm. uh, roster decisions, his sub decisions, playing players out of positions at times. And this is one of those games where it, I guess you wouldn't say they're they're out of position too much, but with Bill Tuoloma coming back from injury, you had him and Jan Soboszynski starting at center back, but then you had Milanda playing at right back at this game. So it was a little bit of an interesting sub and lineup from the defensive side. You know, Milando's been a pretty youthful spark at center back for us. He's played mm-hmm. almost consistently since signing with the club. And we play him a little bit out of position. And unfortunately, it looks like he did get beat a few times there on that right back a little bit. what do you think of Latanzio's roster decisions and really the starting lineup for, for this national game? I know you weren't there, but what'd you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of it wasn't surprising. I, I mean, I do hate to see you have to play Milando out of position where he was because because to your point he's been outside of the handful of mistakes here and there i mean he's been really strong back there and center back and really uh, you know been a pretty good fixture on that back line in his role there and, and i've been i've been really happy with the way he's played for the most part and so you hate to see all of a sudden let's put him out into a position where it's not really what he's suited for you know that's not that's not really where he he's comfortable playing. And, you know, maybe it's not as, not quite as bad as some of the early uh, roster or lineup decisions we've made with uh, certain left back positions, but still it's not, it's not ideal. But I, at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because of the injuries we've had. Um, but you think, I mean, in, in this game you had awful, you had Lindsay and you had Mora available. You would hope that, you know, one of them would slot into that role instead. You know, someone who's a little more comfortable playing in a in a right back role rather than shifting along to making him play a little bit out of position there.
0: Yeah, and you have to wonder a little bit if it was maybe fatigue for for Jalen, um, you, you know, or even potentially yeah. awful. Who knows, right? Because one of the things that was kind of highlighted in Chicago was that Jalen had been playing at right back, but he was playing a very unique style. He was almost playing like a mm-hmm. wing back, being pinched in. Being pulled up the field so much. And that's when, you know, Cambridge came in during that game and made a sub form. And the team, I mean, at this point has played four games in the matter of, I think, 11 days. And right. for a team that does have injured players, does not have a lot of depth because we've got two players that are practically not with the club anymore and Andre Shinoshiki and Nuno Santos, right? So you have less depth, you have less people to be able to sub in, and you have injured players. So I, you wonder if it was just him trying to get the best 11 while trying to keep some players fit, potentially for U.S. Open Cup, potentially for other MLS games. Don't know. It is a little head, head scratching, but I guess on paper, it should have worked pretty well, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point. I mean, you got it like it's and this comes to a question we we have um, from the listener questions a little later on talking about, you know, does the U.S. Open run help you or hurt you? Or how do you kind of look at that? Because. I mean, we can kind of just get to this question now, but like there's two different ways to look at it. Is like it might have helped the team because I think it sparked that run of good form that they've had. You know, yep. was winning some of those US Open Cup matches, the early ones, kind of started that run. So that's positive. But then to your point, yeah, when you're so decimated, especially on the defensive side with injuries and, you know, you're having to play a lot of these guys over and over again because there's just no one else to really play. And so they're playing you know, a midweek game every other week, plus the standard MLS midweek game that happened with Chicago. I mean, that's just a lot of games. And then knowing that you had Birmingham coming up and then another match on Saturday, like there's just a lot to try to kind of prep around. And, you know, I think in my mind, I I think having that run in the US Open Cup was really, was really good for the team to have some, some success and see some wins there. But, you know, short term, I think it Probably led to some, some, you know, maybe some of the mistakes we saw against Nashville and some of that just because, you know, you've got guys who are just playing night in, night out and and, and getting gassed and having to play out of position a little bit. So, that's yeah. the point.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it, it was interesting to be able to see because, like you said, it was able to help get some spark and confidence for the club, but you also got some injuries out of it, right? You had yeah. Camille Uzviak again get hurt. Potentially with, you know, U.S. Open Cup match. And I do think that kind of shifted the starting 11 again, because if you notice the midfield, you had Ashley Westwood, Brant Bronico, um, Mm -hmm. Dare Jones. But up top, you had Justin Miram, who, again, we had just signed. feels like forever ago, but less than like a a month ago, Um, you had Enzo Capetti and Carol Swiderski up top. Right. And if you look at our depth and our starting, you know, wingers here, you know, Curran Vargas did come on in the game. But he had suffered a knock and he had just started coming back from injury. So, you know, you could possibly say he, maybe he wasn't 100% game fit. He hasn't played in a few games. But then you also look at McKenzie Gaines, who was out mm-hmm. injured. Camille Jozwiak, who was out injured. Ben Bender, who was also um, out because of a, you know, potential knock as well. So now you're, yeah. you're literally relying on, you know, Carol Rodriguez and Capetti to be your starting, you know, Top strikers up there, which I guess on paper, two DPs isn't too bad. But now if you look at the bench, you have uh, Patrick Agameng, uh Privet, Hagar, Mora, and uh, Pablo Ciseniego. So there really wasn't that many um, potential subs for this game other right. than the ones that they made later on in the game.
1: Right, and having Sviderski and Kapeti up top sounds nice, but because of the lack of wing depth, which, as an aside, I think it's one of those things like you know we, it's almost like we jinxed that I feel there like was episodes pregame we were like or preseason, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about like man, look at that winger depth. I mean, this is so it's like this is the strength of the team. Look at all these guys, and all of a sudden, like half half of them are hurt and we're playing guys out of position. Um, yeah. But I think what was what's tough about you know yeah you still have Kopetiy and Sviderski, but you kind of are playing either Svodersky at a position on the wing, which he just doesn't seem very comfortable and isn't really super strong out there, or you're pulling him back in the middle and having, like you were saying, Jalen kind of come up and and cover that wing spot a little bit, which means you're kind of, you're taking some away from the, the back line. So it's, you're having to do some weird things from a tactical standpoint to try to get them in a position that they, are comfortable in so i think that the josviak injury in the, in the open cup was was just massive because he's been i mean the the player of the season so far i'm just to me hands down uh you know Miram in the last few games maybe you can make an argument for him too but but i think overall you know josviak's been the guy this season and having him out and having to have play some interesting uh <laughs> tactics and, and, and lineups is, has been really tough over the past year. But I would say like, so to kind of go back, we're talking about, you know, this being the, you know, a sad season or shoot sorry, two, two sad soccer matches. I think they're sad in very different ways to me, the Nashville game. Like you said, I don't, I don't think they played that bad, you know, overall, I was not, you know, terribly upset about the way the team played. Um, against the good Nashville side, you know, it looked pretty good and you look at both goals and we can, we'll probably talk about the second goal a lot more, but from, from from Nashville's two goals, the first one just takes a wicked deflection off of Tui Loma. I mean, that's just, you know, Colleen was already going to the side where he thought the ball was going to go. It takes a wicked deflection. He's just basically hoping and praying it goes to the other side of the post at that point. That's all he can do. There's nothing else there. So that's a tough break. Um, you hate to see that. Um, and then I mean the, the penalty, <sighs> Yeah, I just, I, I've watched that thing over and over and over again. And I just don't, I know I'm biased, but it just feels incredibly harsh to have that be a penalty in the, you know, stoppage time, 93rd minute or whatever it was. Of a, of a tide of a tide match, you know, technically, yes. Did he make contact? Yeah. His knee like grazed the ankle, but the ball was already gone. There was nothing there. It was not, I don't know. It just, it felt very harsh, especially not to bring up old wounds, but going back to the game previous when I felt like there was, a when lot Enzo, more contact in the box yeah. against us, and there's no call. So it's just tough to have those two games back to back, and be like that's how we lost that national match. I mean, do we deserve to win? I don't know. I think it was. I think a draw would have been a really fair result for that one. But you know, seeing seeing that loss, I mean that that's one. I think even Latanzio said in the post game press conference, like that's you know, if there's any games where we didn't deserve to lose, that was it. That felt like yep. a really really unfair result um, based on the way they played. So it's, you know, while we're coming into this, we'll talk more, about will bring him in a little bit, but while we're coming to this with two straight losses and, you know, it's been a tough week, I, I, I don't want to beat all doom and gloom because the run up until that point was great. I think Nashville was a really harsh loss. And again, we're dealing with a lot of injuries. And so, you know, hopefully as guys continue to get healthy and you start to see the squad come back to the point where you have some choices and have some depth, you know they're set up to to make a good run in the second half of the season. I don't yeah. know if I'm being too overly optimistic, but that's 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 my that's my mood right now, at least.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you, especially after Saturday night. Now, last night I may feel a little <laughs> a little different, but if I was if I putting myself in my shoes on Sunday, Saturday night or Sunday morning, like I didn't feel like Nashville outplayed us. I, I felt like no. if you look on the table right now, Nashville's number two in the East, and so yeah. for us to be able to play a team that is. Historically, been pretty good. Um, can been consistent defensively. They have. Mm-hmm. I think it, I saw the stat. Like they had been scored on almost the least in the East uh, up to this point uh, in the season yep. in MLS. Right. Yeah. And you have Brand Bronico. Show, show some skills that not many fans have seen from him right like go, dribbling between three players muscling through a ball kind of what we expect Enzo Capetti to do but then, <laughs> then basically tapping it in right and seeing that and it's like oh man we're up early one to nothing six minutes in mm-hmm. against Nashville at home we've got energy stadiums loud and then you like you said you have that deflection and then you have that unfortunate PK but I, I didn't really feel like we got outplayed and I was looking up some no. stats like You know, possession, it was 50-50 split. It didn't seem like Nashville had control of the game. Um, Towards the end of the half or end of the second half, we started to kind of, I don't say falter a little bit, but we started to kind of bend a lot more um, after Mm -hmm. some subs and you started getting some depth in there. But for us to go up against the 2nd place team now in the East, I think at the time they were fourth, and to go on this unbeaten streak and then go on this win streak for us at home – Like, it was a good feeling, I thought. And I I definitely think we deserved at least walk away of that game with at least one point. But it is what it is. The good good news is is that we are still in ninth place on the table, right? Still technically in the playoffs. We got 18 points. And the difference from fourth place to ninth place is four points. So if we walk Mm -hmm. away going into this weekend and get three points this weekend, cards fall a certain way, etc., we could be right back in it in the top five, six spots in the East. And if you asked us this, what, a month and a half ago, if we would have felt, you know, this month, we would be walking out of this month like that. There's no way. We were We were kind of like getting beat up. We were kind of getting demoralized a little bit. But yet here we are still in contention for playoffs, still playing good teams really well, even with some players hurt, which is the other part of it that I feel a little optimistic about, is that if we get Kimmel Uswiak back, Mackenzie Gaines back, Ah, uh, Guzman Corujo back in full strength yeah. over the next few weeks, right? You get yep. those players back, you get depth back on the bench. Teams better watch out because I think we're gonna we're gonna show up a lot differently, which is good.
1: Yeah, and, and I think because we haven't recorded since before this match. I mean, you mentioned it, but I think that Chicago win was massive. Yeah, you know, so I don't want to overlook that either. I mean, man, beating Chicago and Chicago is one of those teams that's in that playoff, that huge current playoff bubble right now you know so getting getting the three points over them you know was a really really important win i think and so like you said the team's trending in the right direction um i don't take you know as as frustrating as it was for that to lose in the match against Nashville, I wasn't frustrated because of the way we played or just frustrated because of the way the, the, the things bounced a few times. Um, so, so I have to kind of take that and, and, and hope that we can still take some of this momentum. And I, you mentioned Carujo, him, him playing for crown legacy, um, midweek and seeming like he's on his way back to full health is, is huge. Unfortunately, it feels like every time we get somebody back, some like two other players get hurt. So hopefully we can, we can change that, uh, that streak and just have people start getting healthy and not lose, lose people as well. But I think that's, you know, especially on the back line, we talked about, I mean, if we can get some stability back there where we have a pretty solid set for starting back line, I think would be, would be massive. Um, so Again, there's it's a long season. There's still a long way to go. And, and I think, like you said, we're positioned in that very last playoff spot. And I think there's a lot of positivity that can be coming in the second half.
0: Yep. Yep. So, um, when, two things I want to highlight just to kind of, I guess, give kudos for some, even though there's some negativity and everything like that, just recent games. Um, I feel like Jan Sobyszynski has kind of done pretty well with his chances lately, right? Yeah. Uh, for a player Agreed. that... You know, we expected to be on depth early in the season, especially with the tragic passing of Anton Walks. Right. And then all of a sudden to kind of see him not not even get on the game day roster and then be on crown legacy and not look super great on crown legacy at very early on. And then to right. be able to earn his way back. Granted, we, we had some injuries that kind of. Forced her hands a little bit. And <laughs> Latanzio kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to start Nathan Byrne at center back versus bringing Jan up. um You know, Derek Jones at center back versus bringing Jan up. So there's obviously some injuries and, you know, players out that forced his hand a little bit. But during that win streak, Jan was part of that. And, you know, I feel like he is starting to get a little bit more comfortable playing at MLS level. He still has some opportunities. I feel like his speed is not up to. I don't want to say speed, but his speed is not there. I think you've seen that happen a few times where he gets beat off mm-hmm. the ball or even gets mm-hmm. caught off guard a little bit, um, which is unfortunate. But he's done; he's made good minutes re- lately, and I feel like he definitely deserved at least staying on the game day roster moving forward uh, with that. And then the other one, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, but what did you think of Enzo Capetti in this game? So it was the first game I think we saw he actually got subbed off think around the 64 65th minute and Enzo is such a um polarizing player for Charlotte FC if you look (laughs) online Twitter (laughs) Facebook etc um even in our group chat during the games he is a polarizing player so um you know according to Latanzio and the team he you know got subbed off his body language was not great on the sideline but he I think responded to a fan on Twitter that you know hey you know I, I got hurt I was frustrated I got hurt my my hamstring or my leg tightened up you know i was i was more frustrated myself for getting hurt and not being able to contribute than being a poor teammate right and you know i I, it's interesting since chicago we had multiple instances where he's been fouled and was not called and then this last game how, how do you feel he is starting to jive or getting acclimated with mls now that we're more than a third of the way into the season
1: hmm Um, (laughs) I think, you know, that might be true about, you know, the, his frustration in that match was about the injury being frustrated he couldn't contribute. I'll give him benefit of the doubt that that might, that might be the case, but this whole season, his body language and just looking at it from the outside, what looks like his attitude has been just hard to watch. It's been, it's been poor. He just, he's probably been my most frustrating player to watch all all season. And uh, we have, you know, various text threads going throughout games and we've, we've, we've all said some things about Competti in those text threads, but, um, I don't know. I don't know the best way to say it. I, 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 he's frustrating in a lot of different ways i think he gets very his body language is poor if the balls aren't coming to him if he doesn't feel like he's getting the balls he should be getting he just sulks around he complains he's pointing at people um he doesn't get back and and keep attacking he feels like everything needs to come to him um and also he has a reputation now and i think you talked about chicago where you know he kept getting probably legitimately fouled and going down, but he has this reputation of just going down so easily and complaining to the refs so much that I don't think anybody wants to give him unless it's super obvious. You know, he's got to be like really, really fouled for it to, for it to count for anything. <laughs> he's got to break his leg. And th- <laughs> yeah. And I think like, you know, that's that sucks because, that you know, you know, he probably should get some of these calls, but I think he's bringing a lot of things onto himself the way he's kind of taking to MLS so far. Um, I think he is growing into it a little bit. I would have hoped by this part of the season, he was farther along. I think that's, that's the frustration I have because someone someone pointed out to me that one of the guys that sits around me or our season tickets I was, when I was complaining a little bit about uh <laughs> capetti in the Chicago match uh-huh, and uh-huh. he's got a capetti jersey this guy's got a capetti jersey so like he's he's put financial investment into this so he's got a he's got a dog in the fight um he was like well sodashi was the same way for the first half of the of last season and I was like ah I mean yeah <laughs> he did he did that a little bit but this just feels like a level of of it's egregiousness like, yeah. that that Sviderski never got to. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely agree. Carroll went through the same growing pains. He he, I, I remember just being very like combative against the refs. Got up a lot, yeah. fell over a lot. I I agree with that, but I don't know if it got to this level. No, um, this early on, if that makes sense, right? So you know, Enzo was legitimately fouled in Chicago, and. Probably yeah. has gotten legitimately fouled since then, at you know against um, Nashville. But and this is what I, I told Swift, and I think I told you during our little chats, right? Was that it? He can get so easily put off his game mentally because of how he, like players know yeah. that, and they can chip at him and just get him frustrated, and it gets him right. off his game. And that's not what we need from a DP level striker that is supposed right. to be able to create for us, like chances in the box right and yeah. it if you're a coach of another team or another player you know that you're going to go after him because he's got this reputation unfortunately now and it's it's disappointing to see and, and hear because i don't know how you <laughs> bring back that reputation but you know it's it's right. disappointing for me and, and I, I i agree with you i mean his body language probably did suck because he was hurt you know potentially in that situation i i definitely noticed it from the supporter section i even took a picture of him when he was doing that just because i was like Ooh, this doesn't look good over here the way he's kind of sulking over here, but I'm um, coming to find out he, he got hurt. So it, it is what it yeah. is at this point, but I, I do wish he was a little bit farther along in his transition to style of play in MLS, but he does get a lot of shit online and it's, you know, it's sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes it's uh sometimes it's not.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, that's a good point, but yeah, I just, th- I feel like there's, an, there were multiple times in Chicago match where he would, you know, I mean, it, it, there's a few things in this all season, but like he would go down easily. And then because he went down easily, he's not there to be in the, in the play as it's moving forward. You yeah. know, he's down. So he's not there anymore or he's, you know, spending time complaining to the ref and is at midfield. And when there would have been an opportunity for him to be, you know, be in the box to, to be there for a cross coming in. Like he's just, I think it's, it's detrimental to his play the way he has um acted on the field, I think essentially. So, my biggest hope is that it's not, you know, becoming an issue in the locker room. You know, that's what I always worry about when I see stuff like that. Is it causing tension between the players? I right. mean, there was even a moment, was it the Chicago match where, I mean, Ashley Westwood went after him at one point. It was the um, Chicago match, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was pissed. I don't know what happened. And I can't remember exactly what the, what the buildup to that was, but he was pissed. That's yeah, something I, that Capetti had done. Oh, it was, I, a, was it the corner? It was a yes, corner it, kick. It was a corner kick. Where the so ref clearly told Capetti not to do something, and he immediately did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so was so what, ha- what happened was it was <laughs> it was
0: a corner kick, right? And Enzo's getting chirpy with a, with a fire plate. Yeah. And the ref has to stop <laughs> and tell them to separate and break <sighs> apart. And Justin Merrim comes over and is like talking to Enzo like, hey, chill out. It's not worth it. Don't ruin this chance. Like, Relax. Justin Miriam's telling him that, right? So then he, he chills out. Camera's still on. And he's kind of like going back at the player a little bit in the corner. And then right when it's kicked, it goes whoop. And it's just like, nope, there's a foul. He <laughs> loses his mind that he's like, there's no way. And he's chirping at the ref while she's like running away because there's a foul called. And Ashley Westwood has to get in his face. And it's like, hey, dude, chill out. Like you like shut up yeah. and chill out, which is that's what a captain's supposed to do. But when you have yeah. your two... Quote unquote captains or tenured players doing that, and you're so mentally distracted in the game at that point, and it was in the right. first half, that's not a right. good sign, right? And that's where it was disappointing for for me to see as a fan. And, you know, I, I hope he, I don't want him to lose the the, the passion and energy because I, right. that's, that's who he is. And I, I think that's what Ashley Westwood even said during the post game conference for Chicago is that his. Energy and drive makes the team better. It, it makes the players around him better because he expects them to do the same, right? Mm-hmm. But he's also got to be able to channel it the correct way and not get distracted <laughs> right. like that.
1: He just can't get sucked into the negativity. Yeah, like I'm, I'm good with the passion, the drive. Like that's great, but I don't want it to become super negative. And I feel like it, it too often becomes very negative. I agree. I will say that I, I, you know, when we when the, the Miram news came out, I was kind of like this feels like a weird, why are we making this move to get Miriam? Why, why do we need this? And I I was so wrong about being hesitant yeah. about that. Yep. I think from a on the field and off the field perspective, he has been a massive, massive part of this team's success over the past month or so. So it's He's, good to have.
0: He, him and Yon, like, yeah, I mean, I know Swift shared it online a few times at some other folks have online. I shared it. It has been a breath of fresh air to have such a veteran presence mm-hmm. on the team and also be so, common collected on the field right yep. and at, we, we talked about it weeks ago about the impact that on the locker room that players like Nuno Santos had Andre yep. Shinashiki had with this the distraction the negativity the lack of leadership whatever it was right and now you see someone stepping in that is not the youngest player probably isn't the most skilled player on MLS or anything like that but he's had a very long like career with mls and he made impact with atlanta played for, uh, for salt lake now he's with us it is a world of difference to see what he's been able to do with the team off the field you yeah. see things on social with his kids you see him already doing stuff out in out in charlotte on social media and then now he's doing it on the field so i'm i'm so happy with that kind of signing like that's the kind of yep veteran signings that we need to continue to bring on every season because it, it's such a good feeling for your locker room and you can't you can't measure the impact that has.
1: Yeah. And I feel like Fuchs was that guy last year. You know, he didn't yep. have the MLS experience, but just that, you know, really strong veteran experience and being able to be that guy in the locker room. And even though he's still on the staff, I feel like it's different when he's not a when a player. So I yeah. think having Miram kind of take that player that player mentor role is really really important do so do we do we have to talk about Birmingham I think we're I, at that point now do I, we have I, to talk about that one
0: I think I think we need to the, the awkwardly <laughs> and sadly transition to Birmingham so
1: um, we, kept, we really tried to stall that for as long as we possibly could but I think I it's know. I think it's time now
0: I think Alabama's <laughs> cursed right so if you notice Crown Legacy uh, lost their first match in a long time to Huntsville which is in Alabama mm-hmm. and then Birmingham and Charlotte, FC traveled to Birmingham and then lose to in the U.S. Open Cup to Birmingham uh, Legion. So let's talk about the U.S. Open Cup because we we felt, <laughs> even though with a loss, we felt optimistic with Nashville. Then we go yeah. into last night's game against the U.S. Open Cup. Definitely a different starting 11 than I think sure. uh, some folks saw. You know, you saw Joseph Mora back um, at left back, who we haven't seen in quite a while since he's had that, that leg injury. You had... Jan and Melanda still playing. Um, and then you had Jalen Lindsay in the back line. And then with the midfield, you know, Derek Jones, Brent Bronico continues to start. And then you had Chris Hagart kind of in that, um, you know, cam role. And then you had Carol Swoderski up top. Justin, um, I don't think Justin Merrim started, right? So you had Cambridge nope. start and then um, Curran Vargas start, which is back yep. again from, from injury, right? So a little bit of a yep. youthful kind of lineup, What did you think overall, uh, like, I don't know, impression of going into Birmingham? I know the first half, we were talking offline that felt a lot better (laughs) than the second half. But how did you feel, at least with the first half, how Charlotte showed up against that team in the U.S. Open Cup?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like the lineup. I was fine with that. Mixing some young guys, you know, to, again, we talked about how many games they have in a row. Like, you know, I like the idea of mixing some young guys who can, who can be there, especially when you're playing a lower division team. I mean, yes, they've made it to this point. So you don't want to underestimate them, but you know that, you know, they're a lower division team. They don't have the talent level necessarily on the roster. So you can get away with some younger guys. I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, And I think the first half I was really encouraged by, I mean, we, we were the by far the stronger team i mean i was i was watching it with my my five-year-old and she's a really big kalina fan um and she was she was asking if he was on the field and i was like yeah but you haven't seen him in a while because he hadn't anything to do like he really i mean he was he didn't have anything to do much of the first half which was great i mean we were controlling the ball we were making chances we weren't doing much with those chances but we were you know we we were we were the dominant force on, on the ball. And so I felt good about it. You know, I felt like they were, they were playing well, playing with good energy. Everything's moving around well. I mean, I, you know, the Cambridge shot off the post was, was brutal. Um, that was such a great, such a great pass to lead up to that. And, and just so close to finishing that off really unlucky there um this Federski off the free kick right right before halftime i just wish he could have done literally anything more with that than he did right right. Um, right. <laughs> so, and there's there's a couple other chances i mean like i think first had another chance earlier in it um you know there there's some there there's some there's some good chances that they just didn't finish off but overall i felt good about where things were in the first half and the way they were playing um and then everything changed. That <laughs> everything changed. Yeah, and, and
0: how did you feel? I, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. That that first half, I really felt. I, I know it was zero zero in that first half, and the lineup we had was a little bit of a different lineup. But Corin Vargas was making plays on the yeah. balls, making crosses into it. It was almost reminiscent a little bit in the first half of like the cross and prey tactics a little bit, but, a little bit. Yeah, um, you know Cambridge had. Two big chances, and one of them he technically scored on, but was I think called back for offsides. And then you had the other one that literally hit the post. And then you had, like you said, Carol Swiderski have like a tap-in volley that looked like me playing Sunday league, (laughs) kicked it right right at the keeper with no power. Right? Um, It it almost seemed like it caught him off guard. And um, that that was disappointing. But you walk into that, and you're heading in the halftime. You're like, man, like I know Birmingham has like. MLS quality players or ex-MLS quality players on their team. Yeah. You've got a coach who's won the Open Cup as a player and a coach, um, has yeah. a ton of experience in MLS and USL. And you walk into that and you're like, okay, like, yeah, we we kind of control possession. Birmingham didn't really have any chances. You know, we're we're kind of outplaying them. And then the second half goes and we, we make no subs. And then it just changes five minutes in with Melanda um, getting a second yellow for... It it was a soft yellow, but it was still a yellow. Um, yeah, and it was legit. It was, was a legit yellow. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. So, <laughs> I, unfortunately, we we talked about how good he's been doing lately um, for Charlotte FC, But I think a lot of folks forget, like, he's also only 21 years old, 22 years old, if that. And right. um, for, for someone to have an opportunity, you know, get two yellows like that on soft, he's got to have more awareness of how many cards he has. And where he's right. out on the field and, you know, just awareness because that yellow shifted the entire tactics and the vibe of the game because we went 10 men down and we decided to move Derek Jones back to that back line. So we still had, quote unquote, like four defenders. But now we left the midfield with Brant Bronico and Chris Hagart that was it. And so then you know you're, you're like, that that's your midfield. And, and you know, and it's that's a little kind of worrisome. and it, it didn't yeah. seem like we really adjust our tactics because you still saw, you know, uh, no. Jalen kind of pinching in, inverted back, running up the field so much. Um, Joseph Mora, who is really sound defensively, but is not known for his, you know, ball skills or attacking right. prowess, right? Was right. also pinching in, so now you're almost overloading the midfield again while still playing a man down, and it like Birmingham started to press and get more chances, to big you know shots on goal, yeah. which which is what you saw happen, right?
1: Right, absolutely, and yeah, to go back, you made a really good point because I you know I said something about how it's a lower division teams, so you can go with a younger and lesser town lineup. To be to your point, Birmingham for a, for a USL championship team is a is has a lot of town on it. And like you said, some less experience, experience with the coach. Like this, that's a good, a good USL championship team, um, including former Charlotte Independence uh, standout Enzo Martinez, who I enjoyed watching. Yeah.
0: They also um, have, um, they also had, a, 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 who is it, a, Aguadelo or something like that, who was like yeah. a super, not long ago, young up and coming men's national team player, right? right. And was like going to be the next generation of players and is playing for Birmingham Legion. You know, he's yeah. only 30 years old, ton of experience, national like, caps and is playing for them. So it's not like we're sitting here like, listen, I, I love Appalachian uh, FC. I love those guys. I love those teams. I love the supporters. But it's not like Charlotte FC is playing you right. know, NISA or MPSL level players here. They're playing players who were either on MLS rosters last year. as starters significant minutes etc and they just happen to be on a usl team like birmingham's not a cakewalk of a team
1: yeah i don't want to make excuses but i think it's a really good point to make and and i think because i saw i mean because it's twitter so of course i saw something like this where someone was like you know how dare they lose they don't deserve to be on mls roster fire everybody i'm like all right let's i mean first of all let's just calm down in general but you know like let's let's put it in perspective like this is not like we're playing you know a a college level team you know this is a this is a strong strong professional squad um should they have still won yes but it's not you know let, let's give let's give Birmingham and those players some credit um but yeah I mean it, it just what was disappointing to me to your point after the re- after the second yell on the red card is the attitude of the team? It felt like, or the energy, I guess maybe is the better word to use of the team after that happened, because I don't feel like it p- pushed them to be like, "All right, we've got to, we've got to get this together and go for it." It felt like they just went, "Well, that sucks. Let's just, uh, let's just hang back." I mean, because there, there's one that sticks out in my head. I don't, I'm not gonna remember the exact details. So I didn't write it down or anything, but like, I think like there was one chance that Birmingham had, and I think it was when they were already up one nothing where, you know, a, a guy gets the ball at the, you know, outside of the box, top of the box, and there's five Charlotte defenders and literally no one's stepping out to him. They're just kind of hanging back being like, yeah, go ahead and shoot it. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Who cares? Um, and just that lack of that lack of energy, that lack of drive to be like, you know, we want we want to win this um, was was concerning to me. And, and, you know, maybe it's just because they played a lot of games in a row. They're tired. At the end of the day, you know, maybe they don't care about. They haven't been prioritizing U.S. Open Cup. Like they just, you know, they're like, this isn't worth my worth my time. And I hope it, you know, that to me, that's the best case scenario is that that was just a single moment. They'll come back out Saturday, re-energize, ready to play. But to me, it's like it's not just a loss. It's how lackluster they looked in that second half after the red card. That really started to to worry me a little bit. That's not what you want to see them do. There was no real push forward. They were slow. They were lethargic. They were definitely doing the cross and prey technique. I mean, there was just there was nothing happening once once Milanda went went out with the red card.
0: yeah, so and that's where I think even the press conference after the game with latanzio, he even mentions that the energy, of the club and the players, like even he's getting frustrated with it. And it's like, it, it's almost like when things aren't going our way, I, I can't remember the exact mm-hmm. quote, so you have to look it up. But when things aren't going our way, it's like we get down in the dumps and he's tired of that energy. And the, I don't want to say excuses, but he's tired of players, like getting into that mentality of, oh shit, like, you know, th- this just happened. I can can you believe this? Like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. And it's like, you get in this negative mindset and mind space, that it basically detracts the entire team, almost like Enzo that we were just talking about, but the team energy, mm-hmm. right? And right. It, it was pretty like obvious what was going on. That we you know, oh, we're playing Tim and down. Oh, we're playing in Birmingham. Oh, they have a good, you know, uh, attendance here. You know, it's we're down one nothing. We're down now. You know, man, X Y Z. So it just seemed like it was like woe is me a little bit, but yeah. They worked probably tired. This was their fourth game in eleven days. They've got another right. game literally three days later again, and it's it's catching up to them probably right. And yeah. I think that was why Latanzio probably didn't make the subs that he did because he, I mean, he wanted to win this game. He, he, it was very relevant that you know that Latanzio and the club wanted to advance in the U.S. Open Cup, but yeah. he wasn't willing to start his true starting eleven for full ninety minutes again on this because we've got a game this weekend that is going to affect how we're going to stand in the MLS table. Right. And that's where he, that's where he gets his contract extension is not from the U S open cup. It's from MLS standings and playoffs. And that's, um, you know, friend of the show, Von Pullman. And I, and I agree with him. We were talking on Twitter a little bit, but like as cool as the U S open cup is, and I, I might get, Soccer Twitter pissed off at me for saying this. So you may (laughs) you may you may need to get this uh, the edit button here. But um, as cool as the U.S. Open Cup is, and as fun as it is, it is very quirky. It is very unique, especially the very early stages when you have like people broadcasting the show from like iPhones and you know (laughs) public parks with a train going by, like just crazy stuff. Right? That's the coolness about it. I don't really care that much in terms of what. Charlotte could win this season in terms of US Open Cup, Leagues Cup, MLS Playoffs, Supporter Shield, MLS, like, you know, championship. Out of all of those that the team has a chance to win, US Open Cup's not my number one. I'd rather make the playoffs no. and make a run in the playoffs this year than go super deep in the US Open Cup, or I'd rather win the Supporter Shield because that means that you're had the most points in all oh, of MLS, sure. right? So that's what I would rather spend my energy on, and that's where I'd rather have um Crenetta and you know the team put more weight on Latanzio in terms of performance cuz you can make a run in the open cup but you can still be in like second to last place in MLS and okay what does that mean
1: you know Yeah I would I would push back on that a little bit I I mostly agree with you I do but the only thing I would say is if you're that you know mid level in the East team you know you're, you're 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 have a really solid chance of making the playoffs but you're not gonna win supporter shield, right? Like that's just that's just not gonna happen. Let's be let's be real, <laughs> you know. So like that's not gonna happen. You know, Leagues Cup, we'll see how that goes. That's a that's a new thing. Whether I can't remember I'm kind of throw that one out for right now. You know, unwilling ML's cup, definitely possible, but probably a long shot. To me, I think you have a chance to win a trophy. I think you 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 wanna win the trophy. Like, even if it's not the same as some of the other ones, if if you're ranking all the trophies, they have an opportunity to win. It's, it is probably third or fourth, depending on what you're looking at. But like, I think, you know, I, I wanted, as we got farther in that, like, it'd be great for this club to win a trophy. I think that'd be awesome. And and I do think where, what I would balance, though, is I think we were probably one round away from really prioritizing this. You know, I think that, and that speaks to the, the lineup Latanzio put in. He was like, I want to win. I do want to win this match, but I'm not willing to sacrifice everything for it. I think also that if you get to that round of eight, you know, and you're you're three wins away from getting a trophy, like maybe you do start to prioritize it a little more, and like maybe we throw this in and we get we get this one, you know. Um, but I I think it's a balance, but you know, I, I I don't think it's a a meaningless thing either. I I think this is something that you know, if you're not actively running for a supporter shield, if you're not one of those top teams in your division, I say go for the open cup you know, that might be the hardware you get this season. And, and, and that's still pretty great.
0: Yeah, d- definitely. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that open cup is not important or like it wouldn't be fun to do, but it is like my third or fourth on the, on the priority list. But yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you though. Cause it's, it would have been really fun to be able to host M- Miami and, you know, the next stage of this and make a run potentially. Right. Um, and especially being so, Early in our, you know, franchise history to be able to make a make a run in the Open
1: Cup. So, right. Um, I mean, and you get like, it's not meaningless either. I mean, you get you get the birth in the Conference Cafe Champions League. I mean, you're not, true, uh, true. you know, take, it, it's there is there is something to play for there. So, again, I get prioritizing it. You know, you don't want to you don't want to burn out all your other chances by like going all in on the Open Cup. But I do I do think it's it's worth going in for. Um, yeah. One thing I want to say, and this is maybe something that, in, in, you know, I don't know if you can speak to this this is something where maybe we need need swift with us to talk about it or even a von pullman or someone that's more knowledgeable sure. about things than i am but the we were talking about a little bit offline but the way they've been playing Lindsay, and we talked about a little bit earlier too having Lindsay kind of play up a lot especially as we've had this winger depth issue having him push up push up for someone who's better at, at soccer tactical stuff than i am like that's why Milando was stuck out on the side there, and and, yes. gave, and ended up with a second yellow card, right? Like, I mean, so, so that's what worries me a little about what we're doing with him. Is we're again, like we were talking about earlier with Nashville, we put him in right back, we started him back there. Now we're kind of putting him in these positions where he's not naturally suited to defending out in that area, one on one like that. Like we're, I, we got to stop putting players in bad positions. With the lineups and the the tactics we're running and that that's, you know, I, we're not, we're definitely not to the emergency zone that we were when we were talking about Bronco playing left back, you know, earlier in the season. I'm not that concerned to that level with some of the decisions we're making on a lineup level, but there's still little things where it's like, huh, why are we putting that guy in that position? Like, that's not, that's not what his strength is. Why are we putting him out there? So.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and that's and that that is exactly why Milanda was in that situation and was put out there on an island almost, right? Where he had to yep. foul. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of it. We tend to, and I think you do see the results of that. We we tend to pinch our fullbacks in, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm, I'm Von Pullman or Matt Swift and be able to break this down tactically, right? But we we tend to t- <laughs> we tend to pinch our fullbacks in, right? Because I think it's us trying to overload the center, because yep. maybe maybe we don't trust the creation skills of our midfields I I, I don't know like yeah. whatever it is we're just trying to get numbers to overload the midfield right and I I do have a heat map and I I was talking to someone on Facebook about this uh, earlier today but like in the Nashville game we actually attacked um 28 to like 30 percent of our attacks came from the midfield and in comparison Nashville only like attacked to the midfield like 21 22 percent so like mm-hmm. th- you can see that we want to go through that spine and go through that center and it's because we're overloading it. But what that, what happens a lot and I saw it a lot, I think in Chicago um, and even in other games, but Lindsay gets so sucked in so far up and so sucked inside. Like, mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that like one of the players we should be going after in the next window is going to be probably a fullback. Right. But if we don't have the depth and we don't have the skill players to do it, we're going to continue to ask more and more and more of them to be like, you're going to be inverted and be a number, a second, number six. You're also going to get now be a ring wing back and, you know, run to the opposite corner and just have to run back. And now it puts our players in positions and not skills that, that they're built to do. And it it does, it does put a strain on us. And I think you do see it because we've let in, I think an MLS East high or even an MLS high 25 goals scored against us this year. Our goal mm-hmm. differential is catching up because we're actually starting to score goals and we're starting to get scored on less now per game, but we yep. still lead the league in goals against. And it's, it's mostly because of the tactics and the players either getting lost, sucked in, out of position, playing out of position, whatever it is, it's because of that.
1: Yep, absolutely. And that's why like the optimistic side of me is hoping that as we solidify the lineup, whether it be. A combination of two things, you know, Carujo coming back from injury, um, and then any summer signings we do, because we that's got to be the priority, like you said, that's got to be the priority. So I would hope that if we can get that solidified just a little bit more, you know, and we get some some of the offensive guys back from injury, I, I'm I'm optimistic about it. I mean, it's a, it's an if, it's definitely an if, but I, I have I do have some optimism about where this team can be in a couple months. So. um so
0: one one, one last question or one last statement I have here before we transition to yeah. our break and do our Q and I've seen a lot of it on social, I've seen a lot of it online. To me, this loss against Birmingham is not the end of the world. It is nope. not making me want to fire Latanzio. Is it? Was it? <laughs> was it the the best tactics and the best decisions? No, but it was a U.S. Open Cup match. It was a trap game. It was in Birmingham. It was, yep. you know, MLS quality players that we were that we were playing against. We weren't playing our strongest 11. I get it. it. We wanted to win this game, but it is not me putting on, you know, my hat saying Latanzio out now because of that game. Now, next two weeks could be super important. We better show up. But the the Birmingham game is not the the canary in the coal mine for me.
1: No, I completely agree. That's what I was saying too. I think I'm only concerned if I see a similar level of energy against LA on Saturday. That's where I'm concerned. If this was just a one-off weird midweek Open Cup game, fine. I'm getting, you know, it it happens. I'm not, I'm not that mad about it, but I think what what happens Saturday will be, will be really important to see where this team comes out. All right. So you want to do some uh, listener questions? Let's do it, buddy all right we are back with everyone's favorite segment of the episode the listener questions so we have some a nice mix of some some more serious ones and uh and some more fun ones so we'll we'll hop around some (laughs) of these i apologize we didn't get to your question uh we were we, we we didn't want to have a, a two-hour-long episode tonight, so we're trying to <laughs> trying to keep it short. So I apologize if we don't hit on yours. Um, I thought this one was interesting. I have a strong opinion about it, so I want to throw it out to you, okay. um, David. That's a loaded way to ask that question. So I, I, I have a strong I have a strong opinion, um, <laughs> but I need you to answer it for me. So I want to hear your opinion. But there's a right answer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so it, it comes from Eric Hill, and okay. it says, uh, "Do you f- feel that the MLS should adopt an NFL style?" once per game challenge procedure where the coach tosses a little, <laughs> a little mm, red oh. flag in front of the fourth official to, in, to initiate a forced VAR. There's, there's a follow up to that of like what kind of plays they would allow and, you know, whatever. But like, I guess bigger thing is, is coaches challenges. How do you feel about that?
0: Well, man. So two things, one. Okay. I'm just going to rip the bandit off. I actually don't mind the <laughs> I don't mind the idea because VAR, at least at the MLS level, has failed to do what it is expected to do. I think, and there's been many a times where you expect it to be reviewed, it doesn't get reviewed, or it just gets glossed over, right? Because oh, we quote unquote missed it, or we just over overlooked it, whatever it is. So I like the idea of it in principle. The thing that I don't like about it, and it, it, is that. One of the reasons one of the things I love about soccer is that it's consistently around 90 minutes. It is mm-hmm. consistent pacing. It is not ad riddled. It is not stop for TV timeouts. It is not this is brought to you by Coors Light, you know, halftime, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, that whole thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like basically an entire Panthers game experience. I, I get in and get out <laughs> and I know what it's what what we're expecting. And I feel that if there was a one challenge thing. That two things would happen. You could have a coach purposely call things because they don't they they want to stop momentum from happening, which soccer is very much a momentum and swinging based game. So it would stop the flow of the game, and um, it it will just slow it down at certain points because you're going to have people just challenge it because they want to see if they can slow the game down or get it reviewed mm-hmm. or hope and pray. So I like the idea of it in principle. But you would have to really figure out how to get it implemented in the right way. Um, I don't, I I don't hate it, but what's your opinion on it, Corey? Since you have a very strong opinion on it,
1: I, I very strongly don't like it. Yeah. Um. For so the first reason is what you. Your second part was of just it would really disrupt the flow of the game. And it disrupts the flow of the game in football too. But like you said, football is a game that gets disrupted every 20 seconds or less anyway. So like, you know, whatever, <laughs> um, right. you know, it's just a longer time out. It's fine. Um, but even beyond that, I would say to me, I don't think it would change anything. Like, I don't think like, because these things are already getting reviewed by VAR officials, I'm not convinced that it would actually change anything. Yeah. Right. Like, I think a coach's challenge only makes sense when there aren't automatic reviews being constantly done anyway. So I think if, you know, if the VAR officials seen it and they say there's nothing here to see, if a coach challenges, throws a red flag out there and challenges it, they're gonna be like, yeah, I already looked at it. I didn't (laughs) see anything there to see. (laughs) So like, I just just don't see how it helps anything. It's like, they're already looking at it, whether they're doing a great job of it. that's another discussion. But I just don't think a coach's challenge actually helps anything there.
0: Yeah, I I get it. You, you swung me there. Okay, I get it. They are they are technically already
1: viewing it, and they're really, supposed to be. They're, spo- right? they're yeah. supposed I to. I mean, be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, did there they? There were times they- against Chicago where I was like, did they actually look at that? Because that was a really fast way to. We got that ball back in play real quick there, really quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. but but anyway. All right. Um, there is another referee question from Paul. I don't want to spend this whole time talking about referees because that's a that's a that's a dark hole to go down. But I, <laughs> but I appreciate that people are frustrated with some refereeing decisions recently, and I, I'm with you. I yeah. totally get that. Um, so let's jump over to to Russell Varner uh, has had a few questions. I want to I want to throw it at you. Um, so the first one is which has had a bigger impact: no more Shinyashiki and or Santos, or the addition of Miram to the squad. Hmm.
0: Can it be both? Cause I think, I think, I think, yeah. I, I, think uh, I think, I think they're related. I think yeah. they're related. So, um, so sorry, sorry, Rusty. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but um, I guess, man, I don't know. I, I'm going to say if I have to choose between the two, I would say the removal of Santos and Shinoshiki, because you can add just mm. a Miraman. And if you still had two players on the team like that, I don't know how good it would be, right? Justin's role coming in with those two removed was what was needed. But I don't know if it would have been as effective if, you know, Nuno and Andre was on the team still, right? Because
1: um, okay. I remember I at it. yeah.
0: Yeah, so because, I, you know, I think one of the, the comments I think Swift even mentioned way back when was when those two players were no longer practicing with the team. The team felt like a different energy. They felt like they had fun again, and it was something that was like unique, right? And so that to me tells me like they had like a weight off their shoulders a little bit, um, and that was before Justin even came and practiced, right? So you know I, I do think Justin is part of the solve in that, and is like I I, I don't want to underest or under, under uh, undersell the impact he's already making, but uh, you know I think I think both could be the same thing.
1: Yeah, I was looking at that question a little different way, but I like where you're coming from. I totally see what you're saying with that. I was looking at it more of like, you know, are we hurt more by losing Shinichiki oh, yeah. and Santos as a depth option? But I, th- but I think you're totally right. I think, I think you know, having them come off and, and changing the locker room that way was a really important piece of that too. And so that's that's interesting to look at. I would say if I'm looking at the way I was, I was thinking about it. You know, does losing them from the the roster? affect us more or, um, or hurt us more than, than Miriam coming on and helped us. I think, you know, Miram had the bigger impact. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just cause I, I, you know, I think what he's done, especially over the past, like we were talking about earlier over the past you know month or so where, you know, he's, he's created a ton on the field. I mean, and, but he's also just been that real veteran strong presence that I think this locker room really, really needed. So I think he's been a huge, huge piece of it. So, Russ Russell's second question um, was: When Kruha comes back, who do you start at center back with him, Milanda um, or Sobasinski?
0: I think you start. Um, <clears throat> um, ooh, man! With him, I would say it's Milanda because I think yep. Guzman goes to that left side center back, and then you have Milanda right back. Um, it will be interesting to see if we do something with like a five back set with bill involved somehow mm. um, and have bill Melanda, and guzman back there and then have some wing backs potentially but that would require our full backs to pinch in and run up the field a lot more than what they're doing now uh so yeah. it it'll be interesting to see but i think it's definitely going to be milanda i don't think Jan re- like surplants milanda in that perspective um but i think it's right. it's milanda and
1: guzman yep agreed agreed there Uh, The final question from Russell, which I think is a funny one, which will happen first? Tepper builds a new stadium or Capetti is able to draw a PK. (laughs)
0: um, So um, I'm going to look at this two ways. So I Russell, I think uh, I keep making your questions have questions. So I'm going to look at it as the start to finish process of the stadium being built. I'm going to say Enzo gets a PK before that. (laughs) <laughs> but if the stadium would be just the announcement, it, we could be waiting a while for for Enzo's PK. And I do think, I mean, I have no sources on this, but I just am assuming that a stadium would get announced by next year. Some way, some fashion, just based off of age of PSLs, aging out, those kind of things. It, you have a brand new franchise quarterback for the Panthers. If Charlotte FC does make the playoffs, you have a quote unquote high for fans to ride on that would be the time to announce a new stadium.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. Um, I, I just love that question. I think it's just framed really. <laughs> really it's well.
0: it's so frustrating think, that we have to frame it that way in a way though.
1: I think eventually Capetti is just going to get mauled by somebody and they'll finally like, grudgingly blow a whistle and, and we'll finally get to see that. But who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Um, well, I, I will say I mean, this, the,
0: we just, um, you know, WFNZ and voice of Charlotte FC will, um, just uh, tweeted out that Enzo Capetti is out for LA Galaxy, so it definitely won't be this weekend. Yeah. So he, he will not get a PK this weekend.
1: Yeah, I know we were going to talk about LA at some point, but I did just pull that up that they they released the the injury report, you know, the player availability report for for Saturday. And yeah, Capetti, Marks, Josviak, Capetti, Gaines, Bender are all out. Or sorry, Marks is questionable. Everybody else is out. Um, so yeah, it won't it won't be this weekend. Um, but that'll be make for another interesting lineup on on Saturday too but um all right let's hop over to this is the one that we kind of referenced earlier from david kelly um basically i'll read the longer version of the question is the benefit of the open cup bringing us out of our early slide with the beginning of the run we are on in the building of confidence outweighed by the number of minutes it has added to players and injuries from open cup matches simple version is is the open cup run more beneficial or detrimental to this year's team
0: Well, right now, I would say it's been a benefit because it did get us out of a funk and got us some confidence and some points and some wins. Ask me again in two weeks or three weeks if we go on a slide and all of a sudden we go from being in the playoff picture to being towards the bottom of the table because of tired players, hurt players, etc. That's where it could come back and bite us a little bit. So as of right now, I'm in the camp that it was a benefit for us versus a detriment.
1: Totally agree. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Right now, I think it it was needed. Has some good matches, got some good confidence for some of the players out there. I think that was really nice. But yeah, if, if, you know, I keep coming back to the Josviak injury, like if that continues to be, you know, if that lingers and he's out for longer and, and we continue to lose having his, his form out there, that could end up being a, a really big loss. And, and that, you know, I don't know if it was worth it at that point. Um, all right. I'm looking at the, the for the serious questions before we get to the fun questions. Uh, from Jay, who is the biggest threat offensively? Not necessarily final product, but offensive play production, distribution, and off the ball movement. Westwood, Camille, Sviderski, Miram.
0: He didn't put Enzo in there. Was that not an option? So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just had to like point that out there. Um, so uh, is,
1: no, like I don't want to let that go. That is a problem. That our DP big signing striker isn't even on the list. That is a huge red flag. Right. I know. So,
0: so that's, that's <laughs> anyway. In anyways, so I wasn't saying that sarcastically because I was like, oh, I was kind of thinking about Enzo like off the ball runs, but oh man. So I would say. Impact right now, I'm going to say Camille Uzwiak just because of the amount of assists that he's had so far this season. And the impact he's had since he's, I mean, I hate to say it, the impact he's had while being out on the team um, has been missed versus Enzo being out has not seen such a negative impact as much as Camille being out. So I'm going to say Camille But it is a it is a problem if our fans are questioning why
1: why is he not part of that list so <laughs> no a hundred percent agree I, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think I think camille's is him him being out you the team just plays totally differently when he's on when he's on the field. It just everything seems to click a little bit better up front with with him being out there, which is such a welcome surprise after you know I think we were all disappointed after last season that he wasn't where we thought he might be, so it's been great to see him coming to this forum. I think he's absolutely it. I would put Miriam as a second. Um, but, but I think, I think Camille has been, been really important to that. But yeah, there's a, there's a larger underlying issue to that question. 100%. <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> worth discussing. Um,
0: <laughs> oh man. Um. All
1: right. I think we're going to have go to go to the fun questions now. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm skipping some of the, some of the other serious questions uh, so that we can get to some of these fun ones. So, all right. First one question I'll go to is from uh, Chris Tyler. If money isn't an object and you haven't eaten all day, what food are you grabbing at the stadium? Oh, at the
0: stadium? I'm like, yep. I'm like thinking through this really quickly. I was like, oh nope. man, like what would I go? If, if money isn't an option and I haven't eaten all day, what is it? So I'm going to say, and well, I'm going to say this because I don't venture very far out of the supporter section. Um, and forgive me because I don't know what it's called, but there's that concession stand next to the supporter section. And it's like something about spuds and there's like Mm. tater tots, French fries, or, um, like chips or something like that and it's like all these different tops and it's it's not good for you but it's basically of like course not. you know it's like shredded shredded pork or uh, carnitas or you know beef or whatever it's basically nachos but with fries or potatoes underneath <laughs> versus versus chips so that is my go to if if i haven't had anything to eat now because money's on an option and I would go with that because those things are like almost 20 bucks a piece, which is, <laughs> but, um, that's, that's my go-to in the stadium. Cause like, honestly, I don't go anywhere else other than the hot dog place or the grab and go for the beer cooler.
1: Yep. No, uh, you can't go wrong from tachos. I like that. That's right. a good answer. Yep. Um, I think mine where I sit, uh, there's a Sabor, uh, oh, a sabor. is there really? Near me. So that's, that's if I'm really hungry and like craving something good, I'm going to support. So I need, I need to get out of the there.
0: supporter section and go actually walk around the stadium. I feel because it's been like two <laughs> years of this and I only go to the same two places. Um, and so I, I mean, I get it, but I, there's also a pupusas place somewhere and I still don't know where right. that is. And I, I want to find them and get some because those are delicious. Well,
1: I mean, to be fair, again, I, I don't sit in the supporter section and I don't walk around the stadium either. So I was not aware of this, this, uh, yeah. this. Tater top place that I need well, to go check out. Apparently, so here's
0: here's what we'll do: is that next game, I'll do a mobile order through the app for <laughs> for you, Then you just have to walk in there and pick it up. And then you do a mobile <laughs> order for me at Sabor or something, and I'll pick that up. So that way we we'll save each other it. time.
1: That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, next question: We're keeping the food food theme uh, nice. from Becca Mitchum. Is uh, if you had to wrap a hot dog in anything other than bacon, what would it be?
0: Ooh, I saw this question. So bacon was gonna be my number one answer because like bacon on anything is delicious. Um, and then I'm going to go very cheesy with this answer because I feel like it's almost don't want to overthink it. And it's almost common sense. It's like a corn dog, man. You you got to get mm. like a batter around the hot dog and you fry it. That's like the perfect thing to put around a hot dog other than the bun. Um, so that's, yeah. what, I, that's what I would say. Um, I used to also, make these things like spicy hot dogs and i was like a very poor college kid and i would like <laughs> cut them open face and then put them in like a skillet and do like hot sauce all this stuff like that in them but there you go um, i guess you could say hot sauce wrap around it i don't know that that's those are my two
1: the culinary creativity of a college student is always something <laughs> yeah, to, to, to enjoy <laughs>
0: The, cul- um, the culinary desperation <laughs> is what you really mean. And not, not, yeah. not, not creativity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I'm, I'm on a similar boat. I thought about corn dog, but actually, I'm going to go crescent roll. Like, give me, give Ooh. me like a large pig in a blanket. You know, like Ooh. you can't go wrong with yeah. that either. So, so that yeah. was that's where I was going to go. It's so a similar similar idea there. Um. All right. Let me get this out of the way. In bet- this is from Spencer Coop. Uh, in between matches and events, do you think Sir Minty and Sir Purr hang out or are roommates? Who does what chores?
0: <laughs> so I, I imagine Sir Minty and Sir Purr as like, you know, the movie Step Brothers with uh, John <laughs> C. Riley and Will Ferrell. I, I imagine, you know, uh, Will Ferrell is Sir Purr and John C. Riley, I'm sorry, vice versa. Uh, Sir Purr is John C. Riley and Sir Minty is uh, Will Ferrell coming up to the house. They're moving in. And he's looking at each other An LCD sound system comes on and they start playing <laughs> and it is so awkward and they're so pissed because Sir per is like, Sir Minty's invading my space. You better not touch my drum set. That's all I have to care about. So um, <laughs> I view them as that. And then they become best friends and make bunk beds and create space for activities. But um what, sorry, Coop. What was the last part of that question? So, like well, I was the, just going to say, and,
1: and no one's doing the chores. That, that's no, what that I was the last part of the question. No yep. one is doing the chores. Just I, imagine I love that. Yeah. That's
0: imagine them now watching a- Shark Shark Week on the on the couch and not doing chores. So,
1: <laughs> that is a perfect answer. So I'm not even going to answer. That's I love that. We're just moving on. That was, that was so good. Great. All right. Um next to last one because i know you have one that we were talking about offline that i'm gonna (laughs) let you read when we finish it out so let that be the final question the final question from me from from max um because i like this one it's a timely question with uh with with this movie just coming out but if you had to compare charlotte fc to the fast and furious franchise who would be dom
0: so you're gonna you're gonna kill me for this one I've only seen like one Fast and the Furious movie. So is Dom? Is is Dom, is Dom? Um, <laughs> oh, you gotta like, at least know who maybe, Dom
1: is. It's Vin Diesel. Vin okay, Diesel.
0: That, okay, it's Vin Diesel's car. Yeah. So he's asking, who on the team is that?
1: Yeah, who on the team is Dom?
0: Oh man, I just know him from the meme. So I'm trying to imagine who would be the one that says. We're family. family. Right? We're family. Yeah. You can't mess with family. So I'm trying to think who on the team would say that. I'm going to say Brent Bronico is the one that is like, this is family. You know, you can't you can't mess with family. So that's what I'm going to say on the team is is who that is. What about you? What about you, Corey. <laughs>
1: So Bron- Bronico's a good one. I really like Bronico. That's that's a good shot. I really I was thinking way too hard about this. And I'm not sure I have enough of the background knowledge of the Fast and Furious franchise to, to answer this accurately. First of all, I really wanted there to be like a good bald head on the team, and that was going to be my automatic answer, but I can't I don't think we have a good bald head right now. So that, that can't be my criteria. So I was really thinking of like who's that who's that strong, silent, very serious family type guy and, and i'm leaning on kalina i think i there think kalina is the guy that keeps keeps it all together he's he's the guy that that pulls the family together around him uh uh so I'm, I'm gonna go with kalina there
0: there you go i can i can see him back there in the goal now i'm saying like we're family or something like that you know, <laughs> you know so it's gonna be good <laughs>
1: so <laughs> that was a good question that wasn't we, we need like a, a, a fast and furious super fan on here to ask it's answer that question at some point if,
0: if you're a super fan of fast and the furious please tag the show and Corey and myself and give us the best yeah. answer here
1: so. tell us how wrong we are please <laughs> yes all right i know we didn't get all the questions but i want you to jump to your uh to your the final question we were talking about earlier
0: yeah so this one um Few weeks ago we had a great question about the strawberry, Corey. I'm sure you remember listening to that episode and <laughs> listening to that. So um, so this one comes from the same person. So Roy, thank you for this question again. Um, he says, So fun question due to the loss, but don't worry, it's not about strawberries again. So, Corey, would you rather be controlled by a mantis shrimp for a day and be forced to watch him make stupid shrimp decisions or be the most wanted pirate on all the seven seas for a month in the 1700s. So we were talking about this offline and we were like, I don't think we know what a mantis shrimp looks like. So we had to Google this. (laughs) We had to Google this first. So
1: (laughs) there was some research I wanted to this answer. I'd say that much, you know, honestly, I think I have to go with the pirate. Um, And here's, here's, I don't know if this is sound logic, For one, I don't like the idea of being out of control of my body. That just kind of stresses me out. Just (laughs) right, because what is what is this like crazy little shrimp going to do? I don't know. I don't like. I don't like that idea. That feels like a nightmare to watch. (laughs) Um, And I'm imagining if you're the most wanted pirate, right? Like you're probably most wanted because you've you know done a lot of pirate things, which means you've stolen a lot of things and you've got a lot of you got a lot of gold. You got a lot of clout. You got, you know, the, the people that are around you fear you. Um, and so I think, you know, if I'm imagining myself as like, you know, Captain Hook from from Hook, not like original people. I'm talking about like the the Hook movie with Robin Williams, mm-hmm. you know, until till the end there, I feel like he's living a pretty, pretty solid life. Mm-hmm. So I would take my month as a as a pirate in the in the 1700s. Nice.
0: I, I would, too, only because I would like to have a parrot on my shoulder. And be able to <laughs> be able to have it talk to me during those times. So uh, that, that would be mine because again, I don't like the the thought process of knowing I'm in a shrimp and watching the stupid shrimp decisions that I make as he so yeah. to put it. So, you know, and plus you're a crustacean or you never, know, and you're like, you're down the bottom of the ocean floor and you're, you know, you're a bottom feeder. You're just eating everyone's poop and everything like that. Like that's not, that's not fun for me. So I'm, I'm good.
1: No, that sounds, that sounds rough, but is, is we're now, we're getting really deep in this is the shrimp. I might have misheard the question. Are you a shrimp or is the shrimp controlling you as you?
0: Oh, I read it wrong. Yeah. You're controlled by a mantis shrimp for a day and you're forced. So it's like, there's
1: just a shrimp in your brain that's just controlling your movements.
0: Controlling it just for a day. And you just, you can't, you know what's going on, but you can't change any decisions it's making and it's making shrimp decisions based off of all it knows so,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm still I, taking the pirate. I'm still taking I'm still the pirate. pirate.
0: Yeah. I was imagining myself being in a shrimp just based off the question on strawberries. So, um, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so that, that is how we're going to close off our Q and a, I think this week, right?
1: <laughs> that's, that's the part. I mean, how else would you end it? I don't that's, really know where else we go from there. Yeah, that's so, very true, man. That's good. So I, before we run out of here, we do have a, we do have a match this weekend. We uh, we're not going to talk long on it. Um, but we, we, we are traveling out to LA to play the galaxy who currently sit at the bottom hmm. of the Western division with all of nine points, um, which is, you know, not, you're not used to seeing LA galaxy hanging out down there. So it's a bit of a weird position for them, but uh, we won't go too deep into it. We already talked about, you know, we're going to have, we're going to be a little shorthanded as we've been recently, no Capetti, no Josviac no gains, no bender marks, questionable, Um, let's just do, let's just do score predictions. What are you thinking on this one, David?
0: So I, I feel like this could be a very easy trap game for us. So LA galaxy just came off a win in the us open cup. They're Mm -hmm. feeling a little bit better about themselves, but they have also been completely dysfunctional as an organization this off season. There's been a lot of supporter drama, front office drama. Their sporting director has been on the record as saying, if we don't make the playoffs, I will quit my job. So they, <laughs> they are they are very dysfunctional right now. And you've got players. I mean, LA Galaxy's got some talented players. So it, it to me, it's a little bit of a trap. We're traveling across the country. We just played in Alabama. We just played, feels like Nashville yesterday. We just played Chicago Fire. So it is a continuation of multiple games. Injuries, players, etc. So that is a very long-winded answer to say, I think we're gonna win. But I would not be surprised if it's a trap <laughs> and we lose. But um I think we win one to nothing because I think we need to have some revenge on how they crashed our party last year. Um and I think we win one to nothing.
1: I like that. Yeah, I think you're right that it's it's funny to think about you know LA being a trap game because you know you 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 you're not really gonna regardless of where they're on the table, I think going to play at la galaxy you're not going to overlook that match you know yeah. that's just that's just too that's just too big but you're right i mean they, they've 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 got had a lot of issues you know yeah they won the u.s open cup match but in mls they've lost what four of the last five it's, i think they you know so yeah. it's they've they've really struggled um i guess my only concern from a charlotte standpoint or two things the track game because so it's because on, on wednesday we travel to philadelphia right? Like, so, and, and, you know, Philadelphia is always a strong Eastern Eastern conference opponent. So like, there's, there's also that to look for. I mean, this is just a lot of matches, bang, bang, bang. Um, so it could be easy to, to, to overlook this a little bit, but my bigger concern is, you know, with where things are, where do the goals come from? Right. So I, you know, I think we, we have every, every opportunity to win this, but I worry about where we're going to get the goals from so that's a long winded way of me saying I'm also going with a one nothing. I think we pull out a slim little one goal win here. Um, but I'm I'm mostly interested to see what's the energy level like. What's the what's the attitude of the players coming off that that Birmingham match and how do we find some goals with so many of our attacking players out right now? So yeah, and be that's, interesting to see
0: it, for me and just some quick bank like, stats to look at. It's they're like the bizarro LA team right now. If you look yeah. at like the, they're a complete opposite of LAFC, they yeah. are the only team that has, um, are as closest to us from a goal differential and like goals against Like in an MLS, they've allowed 23 goals this season. They've only scored mm-hmm. 10. If you look at the team mm-hmm. across LA, they're 23 goals for 10 goals against. So it's almost the exact opposite, but, um, <laughs> If there's one team, I know you said, like, where the goals gonna come from? Carroll's got to have a big game. Westwood's got to create some chances. You've got to get players like Vargas and Justin to get some get some assist or goals. But if there's one game to get some confidence before heading to Philadelphia, it's this one because if you look back, take the U.S. Open Cup matches out of the equation, LA has lost to DC United three to nothing, lost to Columbus Mm -hmm. two to nothing. They beat San Jose two to one. They lost to Colorado three to one. They lost to Orlando City two to nothing, and then they finally, like the most recent one after that, was Austin where they won two to nothing. So in a matter of one, two, three, four, five, six, six MLS games, they have scored a whopping total of one goal. So that's to me is, a, I guess, a benefit or something to help with some confidence from a def- defense perspective, but also for us to be able to score goals against them. Um, we should be able to create some chances, hopefully this weekend yep
1: i hope so too yeah i mean you can look at the in the lafc open cup win looks big until you look at you know who, who, who LAFC, lafc played yeah, yeah actually <laughs> rolled out there because they've got like 17 competitions they're in right now so they're like nah we're 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 willing to punch. this one over. it's like so. they put
0: their academy like mls next team not the mls next pro but they put the mls next team up there
1: so <laughs> yeah so yeah i think it's a good opportunity to go and to go and get a win there um but I think it's, it's, it's going to be a really important one. And I, and I do hope that we see, yeah, a big game from Svatera skip there too. So let's hope man. with, let's hope, let's hope. All right. Well, with that, we will, we will sign off for now and, and hopefully we'll have Mr. <laughs> hopefully we'll have Mr. Matt Swift back with us next week to break down, uh, a nice win for Charlotte in LA. But until then, I'll, I'll see you later, David.
0: Thanks buddy. Thanks for filling in Swift. Enjoy your vacation. And, uh, if we win this weekend you can't ever come back until we lose. So <laughs> That's how it works. That's the rules. Those are the rules. <laughs> <laughs>